Hello there and welcome to the Pint-Sized Healing Podcast. My name is Max Thompson, let's get started. Hey guys, this week um, I just yeah, want... yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi guys, what? this is Carrie and I'm hijacking the podcast. I'm taking Mags as my hostage <laughs> and I will be interviewing her for all of you to get to know her a little bit better. All right, so that so... means I can just lean back and enjoy the show. Oh no, I still have to ask. <laughs> there is going to require, it's going to, you, there is going to be a little bit of participation involved. All right. Well, because I'm I have ready. questions. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I'm ready. Like, I mean, I could answer the questions for you. Hey, if, you know, give it a go. But I have, I, I'm really bad at doing a Scottish accent, and I know right. this because I try behind closed doors. When to I be was... honest, your Scottish accent is likely better than my Australian one, and we're not going. I to will not. Uh, I will not argue with you. My that. Australian <laughs> accent will not be revealed to the public. No, 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 no. It, it was, it was a very special, special thing between the two of us. Yes, and, um, there were dingoes involved, and it was. It was. It was a thing. It was a thing. <laughs> so, okay. So, today we are going to be talking with the beautiful Mags Thompson, who is the director of our precious organisation, Swan Waters, and we just want to talk to her to get to know her a little bit better. And I'm not Englishing very well today, so let's just get straight into it. So, let's see how my Englishing is going. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so, Mags. How are you today, darling? I'm okay. I'm, uh, you can hear that I have a little touch of the cold still, but um, <laughs> I, have, I have my pot of tea and um, I am talking uh, to you. So that's always a good thing. Oh, aren't you so sweet? I guess the first place I want to start is by talking about how Swan Wonders began. Now, you and Wanda Goodman, who yeah. is our CEO, Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys were two of the original co-founders, correct? We were, yeah. We were, um, I think we were about 10 people. Yeah, I want to say 10, maybe 11. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's still 10-ish, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so about five years ago, we'd, we'd all met, um, we were all daughters of um, narcissistic mothers or at the very least mothers with narcissistic tendencies. That's how we met. Right we'd all connected on a forum online as we were looking for answers and guidance and help. And unfortunately that forum shut down and we had, uh, you know, we'd exchanged emails and that kind of stuff. So like all of you, you and the people that you'd been in contact yeah, with. Yeah. I mean, yeah I, yeah, I actually don't think that I knew Wanda through the website already, but you know, we were connected through someone else who was on the, Okay. So we were all kind of interconnected somehow. Um, and we all just started emailing and then started, you know, we had a, a little group on Skype where we could still talk to each other because, you know, we really missed having that, that kind of, I, I think we've all experienced this where you're like, am I just going crazy or mm. did this really happen? And I think it really helps to 
connect with other survivors when you're going through that. So as we were just talking to each other about our own healing, we realized like it's such, it's such a shame that that space uh, online has, has, you know, ceased to exist because it's so important. That's when we started dreaming up, like uh, maybe we can start something along those lines ourselves. And that's where we started from. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the original members, actually all of them, except for Wanda and me, at yeah. some point, kind of, you know, their lives went different in different directions. But yeah, uh, Wanda and I are still here and we are, you know, coming up for our five-year anniversary. Mm. Since we've Very soon, hey? Yeah. So you and Wanda, so how did, when you guys were starting Swan Waters, like how did you come up with the name? How did you decide, okay, this space that we want to create to essentially replace the one that you no longer had, you know? How did yeah. you come up with the idea for that specifically? So one of the things that we said from the very beginning, like, as <laughs> although, I mean, obviously what we're doing is about abuse, but we didn't want it. But at the same time, we didn't want it to be overtly about, like, do you know what I mean? Like we wanted to be a yeah. beautiful space and a, and a healing space where, where we, we weren't going to spend the rest of our lives talking about our abusers and kind of talking about our abuse story. Um, And so, um, and I, for the love of me, can't remember who first kind of suggested looking at the story of the ugly duckling because, and especially because we were all from family, like toxic and abusive families. Like Mm. we all kind of grew up being, you know, the odd one eyed. Cause I think a lot of times the people who end up leaving a family unit are you know the people who are the odd ones out are the people who trauma projected onto them or something Mm -hmm. like the family trauma projected onto them and so which is called what by the way uh identified patients identified patients we should talk about that later i reckon that would be really good go on sorry so um yeah so we we ended up and and then you know once you kind of uh maybe leave the situation like you you can grow a life that is stunning and beautiful and lovely and you know and it takes time and it takes a lot of hard work but yeah we can we can grow up to become the beautiful swans that we were always meant to be and so we we really like that story and the more we looked into it as well because and um yeah so one of the things that is really different from this story as opposed to many many other like fairy tales and stories and things is that like usually the um why can't i think of the word the main character my my inability to english has rubbed off on you oh right (laughs) so but usually usually the main character in a story has to you know rise up to a challenge or or you know and it it has to do something and change something about themselves and and in the ugly duckling story it really isn't about the ugly duckling doing anything more than growing into the swan that mm-hmm. he always was, right? Like, Isn't that beautiful? Not, you're not really changing anything about yourself when you grow up. I mean, well, you do, I guess, but you know, but no, you know what I, know I mean. What, you mean. Like, what, what you're saying is this, the ugly duckling is, or his identity, he thought he was an ugly duckling, but yes. he's actually one and he's, always inherently been a swan despite the way his mind has been tricked yeah, throughout his life exactly. the pain that he's, been he's been he's been made to believe that he's something 
bad and something different yeah. and something and something uh insignificant but in reality always always was this beautiful swan this beautiful swan and growing to himself and it was more it's like i guess to use some more like fluffy language oh, love fluffy language <laughs> me too <laughs> <Love it up. laughs> he all he had to do was embody his swanness he didn't yes. have to yeah, become like you know how to be a swan in five simple steps you know he didn't have to self-help his way to his swanhood like, no. <laughs> he just had to be who he was i like that actually he didn't have to self-help his way to into swan <laughs> can we use that for a quote yeah you heard it here first folks <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah no that's so yeah so that's that you know and and so um yeah so that's how we uh got the swan um reference and the you know, it's a place for people to grow into the shape they always were supposed to be and mm. that they were made to believe was something bad, but it's not like, yeah, beautiful. So, I mean, I feel like that really ties in with my next question for you, because I want to sort of know what, what was your ultimate vision for Swan Waters and what is your ultimate vision for Swan Waters and also um, the new product that will be launching very soon. Um, the yeah, on our five-year anniversary. In- on our five, well, yes, well, I can't really say on our five. Well, I get it. I can. I'm part of the team, but I, I wasn't was here. I was Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't been here from the beginning. So yeah, what so- is your ultimate vision and what in your heart? Like, like I said, like, I, I want to know from, from your experience yeah. as a survivor, what so- do you want other survivors to get out of Swan well, Waters? And okay, so, so I think... Um, so first of all, that launch, by the way, is on the 9th of February. That's our five-year anniversary since the since we launched the website. Just in case, because we're hinting at yes. it soon, and but we'll it's leave, the 9th of February. We'll the, um, the, the event page on Facebook as a link um, in the description below. So, but I think what Swan Waters is to me, um, what I really want it to be as well, is a place where um, we can learn from each other, right? Because... Mm. Like, sure, like, listen, I've spent the last five years like reading and like healing myself and reading into all the different paths oh. and things and ways that you can do that. And that's obviously how we've gotten to creating the Healing Academy, which is really what it, what it really is, is the combined learning of the team. So that's you and me and Aubrey Cole and Wanda Goodman. Everything that we've kind of experienced and learned and and looked at in the last few years and um and the skills that we have learned to make our lives better because you know when we I think when we first get out of abusive or when we first even realize that we are in within an abusive dynamic whatever you know context context that's that's taking place in we are focused on like, oh, this is what's happened to us. Like we're really in that kind of reliving and processing the story. And that's totally legitimate, by the way. That's a really important part of your healing journey. But it's really only where it begins because what happens is that if we don't, if we don't kind of address some of the underlying behaviors and assumptions that we have, if we don't learn to you know, build better, you know, have the relationship skills that can build better relationships. Or if we, 
you know, if, if we don't look at, okay, so if there are children involved, for example, like, can we look at, you know, how can we help our kids deal with this? How can we, you know, how can we continue to communicate with an abusive spouse Right. When, you know, when we have to deal with issues around like visitation, visitation and, like and those kind mm-hmm. of things, because, because unfortunately that does happen a lot, you know? And yeah. so, so what we decided to say was like, okay, you know what, we all, you know, we all work out ways to do this. And yeah. by, by sharing how we deal with certain situations, we can teach other people skills that can help them in similar situations and so it really is a place of learning from each other it's not like because of course like yeah we've shared you know in the healing academy like i said it's 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 all everything that we've learned in the past years um uh, put together in you know in ways that made sense to us (laughs) Oh, for sure. And I feel like it that would, it would be so weird if we'd put it together in ways that don't make sense to us. But I know everything that we don't feel that jives with us, yeah. we'll just keep that in we'll there. We'll do that. <laughs> and hope that it works for other people too. But it, yeah, but that ties into something that I feel like. But like, I really hope it's like a community learning experience. Yeah. It's not like, it's not top down teaching that we're trying to do. Yeah. At all. It's very, I, I, think, I think it doesn't even work if it's top down teaching. You need to be involved in no. that process. Well, I was just thinking today about um, I had a conversation with two of my friends. I had my um, friends Amanda and Anthony come down from Melbourne yesterday and we were having just a big catch-up and one of the things that I was sharing with them about my life is that I had started seeing a life coach at the beginning of last year. And when, when I first began, you know, I found sort of, being in my body and being present with my body quite difficult because of the abuse that I've experienced in the past. And so whenever Liz would get me to sort of breathe into it and and identify my emotions in my body, like where am I feeling this anger or where am I feeling, you know, this sadness or whatever, she would be on the sidelines guiding me through that. And it was, I needed that because it was so unfamiliar it was such unfamiliar terrain I'd not learnt in my life ever Mm. how to actually go through that process and I've seen her for a couple of months but as I continued to see her I started to be able to hold space for myself and the skills that I learned in my sessions with her about observing my feelings and scanning my body and trying to identify these feelings it started becoming second nature to me and it kind of reminds me of what you're saying now. It's like in terms of community learning, like I feel like good teachers and good leaders, so to speak, like they want to lead other people to themselves. They want to lead other people to become their own leaders and yeah, to become their I own. I mean, definitely. And I, I mean, what we really want is for people to build a life that they love, right? Like we yeah. don't, we want to get away from just surviving. We want people yeah. to thrive in their lives and, you know, and find, find, and, and maybe even, uh, this is going to sound so awful, but it's like find some sort of meaning to what they've yeah. experienced. And if, and if that, even if that meaning is just, you know, having become more informed about the kind of relationship that they do want to have yeah. with other people, yeah. 
I mean, we don't all have to get into the let's save the world type uh, meaning for our no. traumatic past. But I do think, or if it's like about, I don't want to pay this forward to the next generation. So I need to make sure that I heal what's within me so that I don't pass it on to. Shout out to parents who do that for their kids, man. That is amazing. So it is amazing. And I think a lot of times people underestimate it because you know, and I speak to people who are like, but oh, and my, my kids are experiencing because they're not perfect because they're human beings and they're hurt, yeah. you know, they're traumatized human beings. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, do you know what? I know as like, I've grown up in that situation and that like with, a, with an actual toxic, uh, abusive, uh, parent, yeah. I says, and I, I've also had adults in my life who tried to do better and weren't always successful, but at least they get, they made the effort as a child. I could tell the difference. Mm, isn't that interesting? Even as a child, I could say like, okay, that person is trying to do better. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, or mm. that person is just not. Um, That's really interesting. That's actually interesting. Cause for me, I can't, yeah, I can't really identify with that, but I can actually, what I can say personally is that when I grew up, I could understand things a lot better and I could appreciate things a lot more. Like I was very hard on, I mean, my mum and I have not had the best relationship for most of my life. Um, but as an adult now, you know, I'm 30 now, she was 27 when she had me. God, I can't even imagine having a kid at my own at my age now, let alone, you know, having one three years ago and then having all the responsibilities but, that came with that. But I do think, like, like just... Depression, you know, like, and she was in an abusive marriage and I was holding everything so much against her without, obviously, as a kid, you don't understand that no, your parents... Think, right. So, but I think there's a difference because my uh, father was also in an abusive marriage and, uh, yeah, as an adult, I can see that in a different light. But as a kid, he really confused me. I didn't really get because yeah. he was very, uh, there was a lot of dissonance there. Because yeah, and I think that's why was, I disliked her so much because I didn't understand that. Exactly, exactly. And, it, and between who he really was and who he'd become within that relationship, we're yeah. two very different people. And I could sense that kind of um, conflict going on within, him, yeah. within himself. But what I'm, but, but uh, and I'm not necessarily referring to that. Um, okay. but there were other adults in my life, like, mm -hmm. you know, aunts and uncles and, and, uh, teachers and, and neighbors, obviously like we all sure. have, you know, various adults in our lives. And there were some people who were, you know, trying to, um, uh, better themselves. And they mm -hmm. like, listen, I think part of that is, you know, the people who, who make a mistake and, then come to you and say, I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. Right. That makes a difference. Yeah. It's huge. That makes a difference. And as a child, you can tell that, you know, if, if an adult can admit to their mistake and say, I'm trying to do better and I'm yeah. sorry that I fell short of the mark today. Yeah. Right. There's a huge difference. And yeah. what that, what that, what that teaches a kid and what it has taught me is that, it's okay to make a mistake, but you have to own up to it. And then you have yes. to deal with the consequences of it. Right. Whereas an abusive, whereas an abusive parent will never admit to making a mistake. 
will never no. apologize for what they've done, at least not in a way that's actually real. No. And, and so as even as kids, we can pick up on that difference. We can yeah. tell the difference between someone who makes a mistake, confess, you know, fesses up and does something with it, faces the consequences and someone who continue continuously, you know, drops the ball, uh, doesn't respect the, our boundaries because as kids we can tell when our boundaries are I was just about to say I feel like what you're referring to here is people adults who are respectful and adults who are not exactly and And we can tell the difference we can tell the difference right we might not have the vocabulary for that as children no we can't explain it but we can we can tell the difference you know we can feel it and so I think as a parent if you're a parent and you're you've experienced trauma and you're trying to go through healing and you're trying to learn better skills, better interpersonal skills, better parenting skills or whatever. Yet you're not going to be a hundred percent perfect because no. welcome to the human race. Even human if you race, weren't traumatized, absolutely. even if you weren't traumatized, you weren't going to be a hundred percent effective. Because parenting is freaking hard. And I speak from personal experience, obviously. Life, <laughs> life is hard. Life is hard. hard, but shout out to the parents, you know, because yeah, it's hard definitely. enough on its own without adding all that trauma to it. And it's, like, and, and, and definitely like we can't go to our, you know, we, you can't go to a six year old and, and dump all your trauma on them. No, That's not fair. And that's not, you know, that's kind of parentification. Yeah. But, um, but what you can do is show them that you're trying to better yourself and that you're taking yeah. responsibility for for your life and for you know things that you find difficult and I think yeah. that is so important and I think I mean that's important in our adult relationships as well it is right? hugely like, important there are adults that I don't want to have in my life anymore because I'm like you know I I'm just not comfortable with uh where you're at and your lack of wanting to be anywhere else right like yeah you know, I get that you've been traumatized and I feel for you, but, and I mean, my mother is being one of those people. I know right. that she's been traumatized. I know that that's where her inability to be a healthy mother to us comes from. Um, mm. But there comes a point where I can't be around people who are hurting me, even if it comes from their own trauma, because like, I can't continue to suffer trauma well, we're not made. Because I always of say your trauma, right? But that's right. I always say like we're not made to be okay with being treated unkindly and disrespectfully. And so, you know, I mean, I've I've said several times to you or to other people throughout my own personal healing journey that like I don't know why I'm not able to cope with that or whatever. It's like because you're not made to be able to cope with being treated like shit. So the fact that you're buckling under the weight of abuse as totally it's normal totally hell, like it's it's total reflection of humanity and there's no shame in that at all but something i want to sort of circle back to is um like the skills that we we're talking about and you were talking about people that you don't want in your life anymore because they're sort of not at the, the, the place that they're at is you know they're not willing to do the work of healing they're not willing to actually take responsibility for themselves um so with the Healing Academy, you were talking about the way that we as the team, we put together our collective experience. We also have guest lecturer, guest lecturers coming in and sharing a bunch of stuff with us too. But so let's talk about the skills like that are involved in healing. 
and how they tie in with the Healing Academy. Right. So, that's a huge thing. So we kind of created four different sections within, and I think they are important, so that's why I'm mentioning this. Yeah. So what we're looking at is coping skills, healing skills, interpersonal skills, and life skills. Yeah. And I'll go through those uh, all a little bit. So we're, what we're looking at with coping skills, like this, there's effects to our, um, our experiences that, you know, like you always say, like, not everybody can afford the eat, pray, love version of healing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do say that a lot. Um, <laughs> which I love, um, yeah. because it's true. Like we no have, shade to Elizabeth Gilbert. I love eat, pray, love that way. Like I love it. it. Yeah, yeah. We're, not, we're not hating on you, darling, but not nah. everybody can afford to just pack up and, you know, spend, spend some time eating their way around Italy and, and <laughs> yeah, it's true. And all that. Um, so like for most of us, our daily <laughs> life continues. We still have to go to work. We still have to pay our bills. We still have to look after our babies, our fur babies, our, you know, we have friendships to maintain. We have like, we have all these yeah. kind of things that we need to do and want to do. And in the midst of all of that, we are also trying to deal with the effects of trauma. So we need some skills that help us do that, that help us yeah. not completely lose the plot and stop being functioning or semi-functioning adults in yes. the world, right? So we're looking at things like if you've developed PTSD, how can you deal with um, being triggered? How yes. can you start rewriting some of those triggers so that you can, because a lot of, this is the thing, right? When you've suffered abuse, your daily life was what was causing the trauma, right? So a lot yeah. of things in our daily lives have now become triggers. It's to, like a minefield. You get up in the really morning and make a coffee and you're like, oh my God, trigger, trigger, trigger. <laughs> and, it's so, and so many things that are, we are required to deal with on a day-to-day -day mm. basis because of how our, you know, world is set up. Things like, you know, handling money or paying your bills or, uh, you know, those are things that we have to do. We can't stop paying our bills just yeah. because it triggers our PTSD. I don't think most um, companies would accept that as a, <laughs> as a uh, yeah. reason to not pay uh, your fees. So, um, so we're looking at skills that can help you in like not becoming completely unhinged from, from your daily life, right? Yeah. So things that you can do, strategies that you can implement to actually deal with life as you're going through the healing thing. Yeah. So we're talking practicality here. Yes, very much. Around when the rubber hits the road, you're going to have a toolkit essentially of these yeah. sort of mental and, and, and emotional so skills. Right. And some of those skills are very much kind of like band-aids, right? Like, right. um, this is your first aid kid really. Mm -hmm. Right. And so sometimes because we can't deal with all the trauma all at once because life is still going on. So sometimes we just need to put a band-aid on it until we have yeah. the space to deal with that particular issue. Um, and so 
so yes, those are very practical strategies. Like obviously we talk about like for the PTSD module, for example, of course we're talking about like, what is it? How does it work? Why does it happen? But we're also looking at like, okay, so when you're triggered, what do you do? In that, in that section, we're also looking at um, uh, things like understanding how the abuse dynamic works so that mm. by understanding how the power dynamic plays out, it helps us understand what went on in our, uh, in the abuse relationship. And that can then also help us kind of manage complicated relationships that we may encounter uh, again, right? It, it, it can make us more aware of not repeating that same pattern. Yeah, with other for sure. So the other, the next section is, and maybe that's actually the most important section, but is the healing skills se section. And what we're looking at there is because we're all different people and we all, you know, different techniques and different um, healing modalities work for all of us. So what we're really looking at is to develop, um, to develop the skills that are required to actually do the healing. And so we're looking at things like how can you, you know, how can you use journaling to actually become a tool in your, in your, um, in your healing tool belt? How can we, how, you know, how can you look at mindset to help you, um, uh, to help you on that journey? Like how can you make, um, you know, how can you kind of change your mindset to be a bit more positive mm -hmm. so that you can, you know, I mean, so you, you don't kind of oh. get, stuck in victim mode maybe yeah um and i mean we're looking at a whole bunch of healing tools there's a few that we've really highlighted because they've become so important to all of us on the team like like journaling for example i know we all write and do that um and it's mm. and it's such a it's such a good tool to um and it's so inexpensive. Like yes. All you need is like a pen and paper or if, you know, you want to, you can do it on your computer or your tablet or your phone or like whatever you have access to. It's just such a an yeah, easy way to process emotions. Exactly. And it's, and, it's, and it's so helpful to kind of dig into your mind to get past that first sort of conscious level of what's yeah. going on and kind of dig a little bit deeper. So then we're looking at interpersonal skills because like I said, you don't want to repeat this pattern. So you want to learn better skills to, you know, relate to other people so that you can build healthier relationships. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, and a lot of that comes into, you know, boundaries is, is, an, is one of the important modules there. Like how do how do I communicate about that? How do I start feeling confident around that? And how do I stop feeling guilty for setting boundaries? Uh, we're also looking at, you know, strategies for having difficult conversations, whether that is with, um, you know, you because you have to confront your abuser about something, you know, if you're, if you're in court proceedings or, or stuff like that, but also how do I talk to sort of normal people, whatever normal people are. Mm, yeah. Uh, and how do I explain to them where I'm coming from and what happened to me? So, you know, we're, and um, we're looking at things like, uh, like how do I um, 
a co-parent? How do I relate to my kids? You know, so those are kind of topics that we are and or will be covering. Not all the modules are quite ready yet, but we will be adding more. There's already so much there. Like you're not going to be, you're going to be spoiled for choice already, but there's still yeah. a few that we're uh, putting some finishing touches to. Other important ones in that section are things like trust and forgiveness, which are, uh, you know, forgiveness I often refer to as the F word because, you know, it's such a loaded term. <laughs> it is. Um, but we are going to talk about it because I do think it's important to uh, have the discussion about it. And um, uh, before anyone uh, fears this, I'm not making anyone forgive anything or mm. anyone because I'm not making anyone do anything. It's all, you know, it's all, all comes down to your own involvement in. Absolutely. My God. I mean, if it, um, <laughs> it wouldn't be very, um, what's the word? Respective of your boundaries. <laughs> yeah, like we, it would be very hypocritical of us to be like, now this is why boundaries are important. Now let me violate your boundaries to show yeah. you how important your boundaries exactly. are. Exactly. <laughs> no, well, I think right because like I feel personally that you know just being in the Swan Waters group being in the Healing Academy group just being a part of the team generally I feel very very respected like I just feel you know I have space yeah. and I feel like that's what this is about it's like when you've been abused you have not had space no exactly <laughs> And it is very much about creating that space, you know, and, and even like, like I said, the coping skills, for example, like it's about creating space in the, in create space within your life where you can, where you have time and room for that introspection and the, the learning that is involved in healing. And then the last section is life skills. And we are actually, uh, I mean, I'm, I am writing uh, some of that, but we are actually getting some people in who are um, experts in their own respective fields. And we're looking at really practical things that maybe we didn't learn or we forgot about while we were in that, um, in that situation. And like one of the ones I mentioned was, uh, you know, paying our bills, like a lot of us experience financial abuse at some point in this, um, uh, in this, time that we are with an abuser and so we're gonna get someone in to talk about like how do we budget and how do we you know how do we manage our money better we are going to get someone in who can talk about you know if you've been out of the workforce for a while because you've been relying on your abuser's income to you know, uh, because you've been a housewife or a parent, for example, um, and now you're allow you to work, or oh they God. wouldn't allow you to work exactly. Um, and now all of a sudden you're out on your own, and you're going to have to find a job. Like, how do you go about that? Like, how yeah. do you, you know, even even things like how do you set up your CV? How do you explain that big gap in your CV? Or you know, those kind of things. So we're gonna like That's really awesome. get into quite practical skills that will help you build up your life again. Um, uh, just, you know, just to, to get you to a place where you are loving life again, because it's hard to love your life when you're in survival mode. So yes. we have to get you out of survival mode or have to get you. <laughs> well, we want to support you. Out of yes. We want, yeah. to, we want to encourage you to get out of uh, survival yeah. mode and cheer you on as you're kind of rebuilding, building a life for yourself that you, that you love and that you enjoy with people in it 
that you love and that you enjoy being around. And we really hope as well, like, uh, you know, make connection, making connections with your fellow survivors. And like, I mean, the friendships that we as a, as a team have built over the years as well. I mean, it's just a testament that, you know, connecting with someone online like Wanda and I did, um, you know, I mean, it's been such a life altering friendship. Um, Yeah for me so um and i think the same is true for uh you know for my friendships with with aubrey and yourself as well oh absolutely i mean as you know i wouldn't be where i am today without your friendship hey carrie can i just interrupt the podcast for a second hey babe i'd usually say yes but i'm actually reading at the moment it's a module from the healing academy called maintaining healthy boundaries to survive heal and thrive oh that sounds cool yeah, I've been finding it really helpful. What kind of things are you learning about? Uh, well, basically that boundaries are a way to define where the world ends and I begin. It's full of all kinds of different advice about how to express to other people what kind of behaviour is acceptable and unacceptable to me, how to protect my time and how to stop myself from feeling guilty about telling other people what my limitations are. That sounds incredible. <laughs> Babe, you do realise it's kind of weird that you sound so surprised by all this, right? I mean, you're the one who wrote the module. <laughs> <laughs> so for those people who didn't write it, but would like to read it in order to learn how to thrive after abuse, what should they do? It's super easy, Max. All they have to do is join the Healing Academy at www.swanwaters.com join. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Could you say that again? Sure. To access Maintaining Healthy Boundaries to Survive, Heal and Thrive, all you have to do is join the Healing Academy at www.swanwaters.com slash join. Cool. Thanks. Well, back to the podcast. So obviously you and Wanda met on a forum because you were both like she was a survivor of a narcissistic mother and you were going through a lot with your family. So for those who don't know your story, I feel like that would be really cool for us to talk about just like what is your survivor story. So the summarized version, right? (laughs) Yeah, in a nutshell. (laughs) Because otherwise we're going to be here for a while. Um, Actually, like uh, we can summarize, that's fine. Uh, So I found my way to that forum. I I actually really enjoy telling this story. So how I'd found my way to that website where I, I met Wanda is, is really because of my husband. We had lived with my parents for a year-ish. It was, we'd both lost our jobs in, in the middle of the global financial crisis. Oh, yes. yay. Good timing. <laughs> so we had decided that we were going to sell our house uh, rather than wait until it would go into foreclosure and we would have all sorts of, you know, the financial ramifications of that. So we sold our house and, and my parents allowed us to move in with them. And we stayed there for a while while we were getting back on our feet. And eventually I found a job um, a few times over. Um, so, you know, we had our steady income again. And so we moved to this town where I'd find this job. Yeah. So that last year, I have to say what we got so close to our relationship just imploding because mm, I mean, it was imagine. so intense. It was so intense. Um, and so when 
I was at work one day and Stuart was in the house and he was watching the news. And at the time there was some, shall we call him a lunatic who had killed his partner Mm. and send various body parts to government buildings in Canada. I forgot the details. Yeah. Right. So lunatic, I think covers that right Uh, Um, but anyway so the news report refers to him as a narcissist and shows like a picture of this guy that did this and um and the first thought that jumps through Stuart's head is oh that's the same facial expression that Max's mum has all the time isn't that eerie and I think we all know like everybody who's experienced life with a narcissist yes. knows that little smirky. They know the look. Um, so he thought, well, if that person's a narcissist and I am immediately reminded of Mags's mom, let me look into this. So he Googled yeah. narcissistic personality disorder. Also, they explained that he was a narcissist on this program. Yes. They, well, they, yeah, they I mean, my other things, obviously. Yes, it probably <laughs> was more of a psychopath yeah uh but let's not analyze this random (laughs) canadian weirdo um but um so he started googling narcissism and um and then i came home from work and he said you need to sit down and you need to read this website that i found and he said like don't worry about dinner i'll cook dinner you sit and read and because he says, <laughs> I have found the playbook. Uh, he always refers to it as the playbook. As the playbook, okay. And so I read, the, I read that, that website about, um, yeah, it was specific to narcissistic mothers. And, um, yeah, a lot of that applies to, applies to my mother. Um, and I'm obviously not any, I'm not in a position to diagnose her in any way, shape or form, but she does seem to have at the very least a a lot of narcissistic tendencies. Right. Um, I mean, uh, you know, since then I've obviously learned so much more about abuse and trauma and, uh, you know, I've, uh, and how, you know, trauma affects some people as well to uh, become abusers in their own rights. Right. Um, so, yeah, I would say that I grew up in a family with a toxic, abusive mother and enabling father. And um, I mean, I've since then, I mean, I read that, I read that website. I, uh, I, I uh, cut contact about a month and a half later. Because oh, then it, um, after you read up about it, yeah, exactly. It, because then it, right. you know, then it really clicked into place. Like this is never going to get better. No, uh, I mean, looking back, I've moved thing, away no? so many times already. Like I kept moving abroad, basically. So right. and, and looking back now, like I tried to escape so many times, but I wasn't aware that I was trying to escape, and that made it that mm. I never because you didn't know it was abuse, so to speak. Like without being able to. Well, if you don't, a- yeah, if you don't know where you're, where you're uh, running from, then it's easy to run back, right? Well, and also when you, um, as we talk about all the time, like when you are in an abusive situation, especially if you've been raised in one, it's your normal. Like yeah. you don't have any other 
standard to hold your relationships up against. So you kind of just think, well, this is the way it is and it's awful and everybody goes through this with their family. Yeah, exactly. And I think like what made it more and more clear, like the years that I was together with Stuart also was, you know, see like how Stuart and I would interact and how he and his family would interact. And like his family is more like the normal, like everybody has their own stuff you know, I mean, like nobody's perfect. So there's always, every family has stuff. I get that. Sure. Like your everyday family does have just just moments or areas of dysfunction perhaps. Exactly. And, and so seeing that, so seeing how a normal family functions and how it started, you know, it started me on that road of questioning, like, Hey, maybe this isn't quite normal. Um, and yeah, so in ways, I and I always say, like, because um, one of the things that I think kind of already put me in a place where I was maybe questioning more than, more so than my sisters, was because when I was 12, I was run over by a truck, I have to say, because mm. I have to speak American. Uh, anyway, but that, what that meant was that, I, you know, I was seeing doctors and physiotherapists and the teachers in my school were sort of extra vigilant uh I was sent to see social worker in the school as well just to make sure and and all of it was aimed at just to make sure that there wasn't kind of you know lasting emotional damage to that event like that is responsible that is due diligence yeah and that I mean thank thanks for that people in my school um But also what it meant was that I had more so than most teenagers, I had a lot of adults in my life who were, you know, normal, healthy, supportive adults. So I got a lot of way more positive role models in my life because of that. And I think that did help me kind of even then get to a point where I was maybe questioning a little bit what was going on um, and whether or not that was normal. And we touched upon the identified patient thing um, mm. earlier. Um, so that was definitely me uh, in my mm. family. We ended up and literally. <laughs> well, we actually, we actually ended up because of the, my conversations with that social worker we ended up having to go to family counseling. We only went once. We only went God, once. I, wa- I wonder who put an end to that one. <laughs> About five minutes. It like we spoke to, so it was all, I have three older sisters. So it was all six of us. And we're sitting there and this therapist goes like, and after about, I don't know, in my mind, it was five minutes. It probably was a little bit longer than that, but it was quick nonetheless. Uh, this therapist looks at my mother and she's talking to us, right, about the family dynamic and, and, and letting us tell our stories. And so, and all of a sudden she looks at my mother and she goes, like, it's you. You are the problem. No. Yeah, like, yes, you do. That quickly. That quickly and, like, that confrontationally. And obviously, like, we've all... Oh, she straight up said it to her. She straight up said it to her. She looked at my wow. mother and said, you are the problem here. Isn't and that so, amazing? And so obviously all of us jumped right in front of my mother because we were well trained to defend her against all of course. But then also just to interrupt, sorry. And also like, like she's uh, we're still related to her as she's your mom. Mother. Exactly. Yeah. I was just about to say. Yeah, exactly. yeah. 
So we all jumped in front of her, but um, yeah, uh, safe to say that was the one and only session we did. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, but like, I think I don't I know if I want to I... see more therapists though, because obviously yeah. I had an issue. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. that's what the identified patient, a, a lot of times yeah. identified patient is the person within the family who's, you know, sent to doctors and therapists and, and, and things like that to, uh, because they have a problem because they are have they have all the family dynamic projected onto them but also i find that they are often the ones that are questioning the normalcy mm-hmm. of what's going on um absolutely and that's I mean, why they are the problem right the problem and it's so funny because lack of use dynamics the identified patient tends to be the same wherever you go in terms of like the context might be different, yeah. but the way that they are scapegoated is just consistent in every single circumstance. Yeah. It just astounds me. It's but really so it, it's, it's actually tragic when you think about it. Like it actually really, because both of us were that in our family and yeah. you know, I know several people like that. So do you. And, it's just heartbreaking because the isolation that comes from not only being in an abusive situation, which is isolating enough in itself, but being the one in the abusive situation that everybody is saying is crazy. Like everyone yeah. in the family is making out to feel crazy. Well, yeah. And like, it really makes you guess yourself. Yeah. And it really makes you feel like, Oh, there's something innately wrong with me. Right. Innately. Yes. And that's really, and that's something that's really hard to kind of override. And I am so much, I'm doing so much better. And still like I am, so I'm six so and a half bad. years, no contact with my parents. Yeah, so not quite as long with my sisters, but I did eventually cut contact with my sisters as well because I couldn't keep that relationship going because there's no confidences within our, uh, within our family. So anything that, they would know about my life. They would then report back to my parents. And it's just a reporting. It's definitely a reporting. It is reporting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the dynamic. Our, our pastor, she used to refer to um, herself as the commander in God's army and we were her foot soldiers. Right. Well, that kind of goes to show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's that's how I started on my healing journey. And obviously, I mean, wow. so much stuff happened um, as I grew up. Um, but it's this is the thing with, I think, my experience and, and many of our experiences. It's almost kind of anecdotal. It's not like, you, you know, when... Like, freaking prove it. <laughs> well, there's that. But also, like, it's... I was... Oh, yeah. So here's an example, right? Mm-hmm. So I did a mindfulness course at some point with one of our guest lecturers, uh, Bob Brocci, and I did his mindfulness course. And like the first week of mindfulness is mostly become aware of your breath, right? And so one of the things that I became aware of was that I stopped breathing like a lot. Right. Yeah. Throughout the day, I just all of a sudden hold my breath. And I, I realized that, um, like the memory kind of came back to me at that point that, uh, apparently I'm a heavy breather. Like, so my family could hear me breathe. Like I don't hear it myself. I've never had complaints outside of my family. 
But my family had a huge problem with the way I breathe. And so they would often comment like, can you just stop breathing? So can you stop breathing heavily? No. Can you just stop breathing? And, and, and you can think like, okay, that's just, you know, so, so to an outsider, they can think, okay, so that's just worded poorly. Right. But what they mean is, can you stop breathing heavily? But within the context of all the other messages and all the other stuff that's going on in a toxic dynamic and in a toxic family, that is literally them saying, can you just stop breathing? Which then becomes, can you just stop existing? Existing. And also too, when you're in an abusive dynamic, you don't have to say, like the abuser doesn't have to, say something directly like so they can say that but there is an inferred meaning and there is an implied understanding of these things so if you've experienced abuse at their hands already but the thing is like it all comes down to the context of the abuse right so i I mean i can tell a hundred anecdotes and if you see them all as separate anecdotes none of them feel abusive But when you put all the hundred anecdotes together, all of a sudden a pattern emerges. And I think especially when it comes to emotional, mental, psychological abuse, it is in that pattern. It's not in the one-off experience because one-off experiences are like, are, Hey, I made a mistake. And you know, I was cranky. I was tired. I was whatever. And I made a mistake and I'm going to fix it. Right. Yeah. But abuse is in that like consistency it's in the pattern of it it's in the it's in constantly reaffirming that message that you as a target are inferior are worthless are you know what always the one to blame always as opposed to, to blame. in relationships it really does often take two to tango like healthy relationships mm-hmm. some we both got flaws oh they yeah yeah that's fine but if it's one person every time, like, come on. Yeah. Grow up. It's like literally become more mature and see that you, it's really scary to take responsibility for yourself. It is. It? Like when well, you're not yeah. used to it especially. Here's the thing. Um, if you uh, take responsibility for yourself, then it also means that you're going to have to do some work. Yeah. To change the bits that you don't like about yourself. So I feel like this is like a really good way to segue back into the Healing Academy and sort of tie up the interview, which is about this responsibility for self and it's about this working on the self. Um, Because I feel like the people who come to the Healing Academy, people who go to see therapists, people who want to be well, these are people who are already saying, I need to take responsibility for for me. They may not be saying it in those words, but they recognise that the power to heal themselves is in their hands in some way, shape or form. So what would you say to those people as we prepare to sign off? Well, I think one of the things when we talk about responsibility, one of the things that people find difficult about is, is that they feel, Hey, but I'm not responsible for the abuse that I suffered. And that's absolutely true. You're not. Mm, And I'm I'm just going to use my mom as an example here. um, Because she wasn't, like I said, she was traumatized and then became the traumatizer. Here's the thing. She wasn't responsible for the trauma that she suffered. 
but she was responsible for the trauma that she then inflicted. And, Absolutely. and that is because she could have also made the choice to deal with her trauma and to try and heal herself. And so by saying I'm taking responsibility for my healing, that doesn't take away the responsibility that your abuser had for abusing you in the first place because all the healing and all, you know, all of that stuff has nothing to do with your abuser. And this is, so now we're coming back to why we said Swan Waters and why we wanted a name that was away from saying something like Abuse Survivors United or whatever, because we wanted to take the healing away from the abuser because us healing and us building a life that is happier isn't about our abuser it's about us and that's the thing that's the thing with taking the responsibility for your healing like you have to you have to right because healing isn't pretty it's not like we want to think that it's all unicorns and rainbows but mm, it's not was it you that told me like you think of uh sometimes of the healing process is that monster from Fern Gully, like the oil slick monster. Oh yeah, from Fern Gully. What Fern what's it called? I can't Fern remember with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the film, but I can't remember what the monster is. Yeah, but the big oh. brown sort of Yeah. It's like so, that yeah. <laughs> so I, I like that image. I think that a lot of our healing journey is that because we have to kind of confront uh, you know, memories and behaviors and and ideas that maybe we're not that comfortable with but in order to change them we need to confront them um i sometimes say like escaping and i don't mean this in the confrontational let's have a fight way um but as you know getting out of an abusive situation is about confronting the abuse and the abuser but healing is about confronting yourself oh that's good and I like that. so and so the only way that you can do that is by taking the responsibility to do that because no one else is going to do it for you, babe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can testify personally to how powerful the resources are in the Healing Academy. I mean, obviously, sorry, someone's just house and what seems to be a car that has the engine of like a truck. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, obviously Max has written the majority of the modules. I have, edited a few of them so I've been reading as I as I do that and they're just jam-packed full of goodies and practical advice for yeah, people so, who do want to take responsibility and so in the, especially I mean the healing so we have two uh, options within the healing academy so you can just say like hey do you know what all I need is just to read through the modules there's some downloadables that do have some practical kind of thought experiments in them um, but there's also the Healing Academy Plus and why I think that is so powerful is because we have, we've attached the Facebook group so you can go in there and you can interact with ourselves and your fellow survivors. And I've, I mean, that is entirely where we started our Swan Waters journey was by trying to connect people to other survivors. Um, and we, got, we are in there uh, and every uh, couple of months we actually take one of the modules and we work through it. Um, with you where you know we're highlighting some of the stuff that's in there we're helping you to relate it to your own um to your own life to your own situation and then we end that whole process by doing a webinar where we're 
you know, when we're trying to teach you how to apply some of what you've learned from the module into your own life. So, um, so that kind of makes it a little bit more engaged um, and engaging. Yes. And I think that's an important, like I say, like healing. And I think, this, yeah, I know that this isn't one of the modules. Healing is a verb. It's something that you have to do. Yes. You have to be actively involved in this because you can, this is the thing you can read as many books and as many articles and as many healing academies are as there are in the world. Mm -hmm. If you're not actually, you know, consciously trying to apply some of the knowledge that you're gaining into your, in, you know, related to your situation and apply it in your life, it's not going to really change anything. No, it's not. It's really not. And just to um, clarify on something you said before about um, every couple of months we do, we sort of pull, a module together um what we what we do um what mags is saying by that is that we actually break the module down and we talk for a period of months um about one particular module in the academy yeah. so it's like um it's essentially like a classroom that's why we have that's why it's called the academy because and why they're called yeah. modules because yeah. it is essentially an online classroom where we are learning new skills together yeah exactly and and it's really much like very much it's also about like um ask the questions you know um uh give me the give me the the examples from your life where you're struggling and i you know and and either myself or one of the other team members or one of our guest lecturers can actually address those specific questions that you have so um so yeah it's very much about like listen the healing academy isn't about me kind of talking down to anyone because i'm i'm a survivor myself and i'm still on this healing path like i do not profess to have healed every aspect of my life and i i mean i have a super happy life i'm also still you know i'm, I'm still seeing my uh, life coach i'm still doing courses that can help me manage we all are. Uh, we're all still getting we're still exactly all on that we're journey. all still on that journey and so it has you know it's not it's the, our community really isn't about us. It's not a top-down thing. Like we are mm -hmm. healing right along with you. And yeah, we're giving you the insights that we've gathered over the last few years because, you know, uh, we don't want to let those experiences and that knowledge go to waste. But at the same time, like, so I learn so much from people in our community. And sometimes even, and I really want to invite people when you're in there and someone is, you know, and someone asks a question and you think, oh, I have some ideas about this. Share those ideas because oh, absolutely, I learn so much as well from, uh, from other people contributing. And even like I, over the years, I used to always think like, yeah, but I'm not healed enough to give other people advice, right? And here's the thing, like I heal and I learn by giving you guys advice, right? Because, in, and not only in the way that sometimes someone asks a question, I was like, oh, I have to sit and think about that for a little bit. What would I do in that situation? Or I go away and I read some articles that are specific to it, or I find some resources that I you know, that can help me kind of formulate those answers. But also just in sometimes in me giving someone an answer, it also kind of clicks something into place, right? Sometimes I have that moment where like, oh, right, I never really put those two bits together yet and now I can tie them, yeah. tie a nice little bow between those two ideas, right? So 
And that goes for me, but that also goes for the people in the academy. Like helping each other is what helps ourselves. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. And yes, that is 100% true. And I think that is something we can all do. But I, I want to say about Mags that she has a very special, she's laughing at me now. Yeah, I'm laughing I'm going, because I know you're going to say something like she's being way too, uh, she's being way too shy about what she does or something along those lines. Yeah, no, I'm not going to say that. Uh, but no, I will say she she's being very okay. modest. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for. <laughs> I was going to say she's being very she's modest. Say, she says, you say that to me so often. She's, she's, she's being very, she's <laughs> so. And I'm going to explain why. And I think this is part of what I would really like people to take away from this interview is that Mags has such a gift when it comes to really looking at things from multiple perspectives and reframing situation. Like I personally, and I mean, I know I can definitely say other people have experienced this too, but I'll just speak for myself. When, I mean, as a survivor, you know, when you are healing or when you are growing, when you've been a, a target of abuse, when you have been a victim, you can, you develop learned helplessness. You develop a kind of pessimism that helps you to survive because you, if you expect bad things to happen, it's a way of protecting yourself to a certain And You know what I mean? Um, and the thing is, that mentality, it serves you for only a little while. It serves you while you're kind of in the abusive situation because that's how you survive. But when, once oh, you're out of it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a survival strategy. It's a survival strategy. But if you want to rebuild your life, you have to actually develop learned optimism. And I feel like for me personally, that's been a huge part of what Mags has, you know, invested into my life. She's really helped me. without. In, without being condescending too, which is always so good <laughs> when people, you know, teach you things without making you feel like you're inferior. Oh, definitely. I definitely don't like talking down to people. So that's what I don't do. I'm always trying no. to write by yourself. <laughs> no. She, and she is, she really is a cheerleader. And I have come away from so many situations where I've catastrophized things because I've been in survival mode or I've, I don't know, just, expected really really bad things to happen because they always did happen and she's helped me to just like make a tiny little shift in the way that I perceive the situation and all of a sudden I'm feeling a bit more positive or I'm feeling a little bit more empowered um this is the kind of stuff that she does with herself she does it in her relationships with her friends and her husband it's just who she is and so when you sign up to the healing academy you're not just getting resources on in the form of written the written word you're getting a person who has been there and done it and she's living proof of the power of you know putting your money where your mouth is and actually like doing the work necessary to build a happy life so yes i know that was really long and she's like oh my god carrie <laughs> I, no actually no it's really funny i was actually sitting there thinking okay i'd better not ruin everything that Kara just said by completely <laughs> deflecting by completely deflecting the compliment um because you know me and I would do that um <laughs> but, but yeah no. I mean it's and it's very funny that you say it it makes me laugh so much because 
I had a friend actually joined the healing academy. (laughs) (laughs) I I had a friend. I still have this friend. um, One of my best friends at some point said to me, and I must have been. It was before I met Stuart. um, So it's you know at least fourteen years ago. Right. uh, Said to me, um, "You need to stop being so negative all the time." (laughs) (laughs) So. It's very nice to, to hear, like, from that kind of like, okay, so I've I've come a ways uh, yes, since, it's uh, awesome. since that remark being made, and that's why I kind of laughed. Like, it's so funny because because that's all I've, I've been, known you as. I've I've only known you as this person who. Yeah, well, you've really, not known me for fourteen years, so that's right, or yeah, fourteen plus years. It, but I know what you're saying. It's good feedback for you because that's all I've known you as is of this realistically optimistic person. Like you can look oh, at the yeah. situation. Well, listen, and positivity, I, okay. So this, if, if anything, take this away, like from this whole positivity thing, like positivity isn't just pushing down the negative and no. putting some positivity over the top. It's not because that negative stuff is going to come back up and bite you in the ass. Yes. It's so, true. But if you want to learn how to do it, then you need to join the Healing Academy. And how do we do that, Max? <laughs> we go to... Oh, wait. They, they, they. Why did I just start speaking Dutch all of a sudden? What's the actual... <laughs> so if you're wondering what was that she was saying, I was saying WWW, but in <laughs> Dutch for some obscure reason. Yay! So um slash join and you can find all the information and all mm-hmm. the blah and you can sign up. Yay. That and was also, really weird. <laughs> yeah, and we'll also in in the description there will also be the link to the um webinar that we're doing on the 9th of um February. Yes. Uh so that will be fun also. We're gonna talk about compassionate goal setting. Yes, it's going to be wonderful. Well, Mags, as per usual, as it per was wonderful usual. to talk with you. Yes. <laughs> Let's, Let's hang up. <laughs> oh, Have a great day, guys. Bye. <laughs>